Welcome back to Mindful Endeavors. I am your host, New Age Alchemist. And before we get into our episode, a quick disclaimer, we're not medical professionals. We're not giving mental health advice or any medical advice. We're just here to talk about the topic and other outdoor activities as a way of kind of decompressing and just enjoying uh, life a little bit more and be a little bit less stressed. So back again, joining us is the Archer Steph. And uh, I definitely enjoyed our conversation that we had last time, but you know, you're here again because there's some other things I want to talk about. And really quick, introduce yourself again for those that you know weren't aware of like the other episode. Yeah, and then they're going to go back and they're going to check out the other episode. Um, yeah. So hey guys, <laughs> I'm Stephanie. I am from Northwest Washington. I grew up shooting a bow. I ended up working at a bow shop and running an archery club. Went off to college and basically thought I was giving up archery because I just didn't have any opportunities to shoot my bow. And then when I moved home, I actually worked at a bank for a little bit. And that was one of the worst jobs in the world for an outdoorsy person. And so I happened to see a post on Facebook for a position for archery education with the Department of Fish and Wildlife in Oregon. I worked down there for two years and then I've moved back to Washington. And now I work for the National Archery in the Schools program, getting archery curriculum into fourth through 12th grade. So it's super fun. I get to work with all kinds of school teachers and children, and I have probably one of the best jobs in the world. That's awesome. Um, I didn't really know what a bow was until I got to college where I saw like the archery class that they had for like kinesiology. And I was just like, what's that? I didn't know you can do that. <laughs> so it's good that you're getting exposed uh, younger because yeah. I think it definitely is beneficial. For so. sure. So, all right. So, um, what, uh, one of the things I want to bring up, uh, so I did, cause I do follow you on Instagram a lot and, um, I actually, you know, I pay attention to your, a lot of your posts and I did see one where we we're talking about, you were talking about how, uh, there's people that, you know, practice comfortably at like, you know, 40 yards, 50 yards, but they're, when they're out hunting, they'll take like a 70 yard shot, which is almost kind of impossible for that skill level at that point, because you're not really, you know, prepared. And I mean, I kind of agree in the sense that it's a little, it's a little bit irresponsible to do that, especially, you know, unethical I mean, when you, when you consider ethics in terms of respecting nature and things like that. So you want to elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So I think the gist of the post that I made was always practice for the situation you're going to be in or a harder situation. That way, when you're out hunting, you're prepared for the worst that can happen. Um, I've known some people personally, and they're just so proud of, you know, my bow sighted in for 60 yards, but I had an elk walk out in the meadow at 80 yards. And I just thought, man, this is the only time I'm ever going to have a chance to shoot a six point bull elk. So I'm going to take it. Never shot anything at 80 yards before. Um, to me, that's just, it's unethical. You know, you don't really want a chance wounding an animal like that either try to get closer if you can call the animal into you or just sit back and enjoy the beauty of it and think about what you're going to do next time or what you could have done differently in that situation. Um, I've definitely spooked my fair share of animals trying to get close to them. Um, <laughs> mule deer, elk, you have to be super sneaky <laughs> to get up close to them. Yeah. I mean, it's cause it's really, it comes down to, you know, respecting nature because it's, you know, we want it to be there for everybody and for future generations to come. Right. So, uh, and there's really no point of, of uh, especially when you're hunting, whether it be game or just for food, there's no point of making an animal hurt more than it should. Right. Like you're trying to go for a quick, clean kill as, as fast as possible. And if you run the risk, 
because I, I know just like, and we've talked about it a little bit last time, you know, speaking from like the firearm, firearm side, like sometimes people don't take into account wind and they think that, you know, whatever you're shooting at, like a certain, you know, distance, it's going to be the same constant at like twice that amount. But wind picks up from like here to like even like 10 feet. And, you know, imagine going for like a hundred yards, like, it, you know, it's something that we need to take into account, especially, you know, cause again, we want to respect wildlife and everything. And even like, um, I know people or I've seen people that like, they, I mean, granted they don't, they're not aware of it, but, um, I seen people like hold fish with gloves because they're, you know, really concerned about the slime getting on their hands. And that's <laughs> very, very bad because that slime is actually a very protective for the fish when they're inside so it protects them from getting infections around their skin so when you grab them especially like more delicate fish like like a trout you grab them with the glove you take that slime off so now you throw them back in there and then that that spot ends up being infected and they end up eventually dying so it's the same similar concept where it's like you know like you got to be familiar with what you're going to do before you go into it like all the way yeah and so those are some of the recommend recommendations that i give to people um as you go further distances, you're usually doubling your, um, on your site tape or in your housing. And so, you know, you go from 20 to 30 yards, it's a pretty small gap. Well, then you double it when you go to 40 and then you double it when you go to 50. So it gets harder and harder to judge what that distance is going to be if it's not something that you already have sighted in. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, uh, again, the wind, like <laughs> even like, I mean, I'm just going to kind of like cross reference into a lot of things that I do. Like when I'm trying to cast out sometimes like mid cast, the wind all of a sudden picks up. So I'm thinking I'm going to aim this way. And then just ends up going like 10 yards to the right, you know, just because of yeah. the wind, just the guts just magically came out of nowhere. <laughs> and so. same thing with archery. You never know what the wind's going to do. You never know if there's a branch that you didn't see or a fern sticking out. Um, 3Ds are a great, great way to go practice different spot situations because if you're going to be shooting off a hill or out of a stand or out of a ground line you should really have those set up prior to going out on the hunt um just so that you're ready for whatever situation you're going to be in and not trying to figure out how to get that shot off the first time in that scenario yeah and i think um it really comes down to like we really shouldn't get like too overconfident on certain things um you know, like you said, like uh, in that scenario that you gave, like they're excited about seeing a six point buck at 80 yards. And they're like, well, I'm never going to see a six point buck before in my life. So let me just take a crack at it. So it's like, you know, I think it kind of goes with like being a little too confident. Maybe I don't know if you agree with that, but. Confident, cocky, not having respect for the animals like they should. You know, there's people out there who they're hunting to provide for their family because they respect the game, because they enjoy being in nature. And then there's people who are out there that just want to shoot stuff. Yeah. And so it comes down to that's the difference between being an ethical person and not. Yeah. And it's oftentimes, and it's just, I don't know why it works out that, that this way, at least in my opinion, oftentimes those people that get the generate the bad press around all this stuff. So then when like somebody else sees somebody that actually does, does it ethically, it's like, Oh, you're just, you know, another person just wants to, you know, shoot stuff and everything. And, you know, you're very responsible, but it's like, no, like, you know, somebody like you, you know, you take the time and the energy to actually, you know, know what you're doing before you, you know, you go out and hunt or you go out and just shoot your bow in general. Cause at the end of the day, you're responsible for what leaves your bow. Right. Exactly. And earlier you mentioned that you wanted to get your minimum out to 50 yards. 
well, my maximum for any hunting situation is actually 50 yards. Not because that I don't think I can shoot further. I mean, I go to some events and they have 100-yard targets out there. But because there is so much that can happen in the time it takes from the arrow to get to the animal, it's not like a gun, you know, maybe max 350 feet per second. That animal takes one step out and all of a sudden you got a gut shot if they're out at, you know, 30 yards or 80 yards. So it's really just judging the situation that you're in. And just in my mind, I know I'm pretty confident 40, 50 yards. And I know that if something changes, I can probably correct it. Well, not the air wind mid-flight, but <laughs> yeah. I can stop myself from shooting if something changes. No, yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, again, you know, uh, it's similar to firearms, but, like, obviously, you know, like you said, like, the feet per second is, like, 350, where it's, like, you're looking at, like, a 1,000 feet per second, sometimes a little bit under. Um, but, you know when it comes to like a firearm when you have it like properly sided you would kind of like make sure you're 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 scoped at like at least 100 yards mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean you always want to take the 100 yard shot you want to take it like at least uh you know somewhere a little bit closer because again it's the same thing with like the you know the wind factor and everything like even though um now we're looking at like 100 yards and yes we're looking at a thousand feet per second but at that distance the animal could still make a quick move because you know like you know deer they're fast and everything so uh they, they can turn around the wrong way or just something else that's around them might startle them before you even pull the trigger. Right. So like, right, you know, a split second before you pull it. So it's very similar. Um, so I guess, yeah, like what I was trying to say, like um, I want to be proficient at minimum 50 yards, but I don't necessarily want to take like anything more than that. Right. Like I, I want to yeah, get as close as possible. Yeah. What, what was that? Yeah. Oh, I just said that makes sense. And I mean, most archery opportunities are probably going to be at 20, 30 yards. You'd, that's what I was saying. You'd be surprised earlier because you never know. You just end up walking out and it's a game of luck. <laughs> and you walk out in the woods and there something is and you get that opportunity. Yeah. So I'm a little weary about being 20 to 30 yards away from an animal because I have been chased by boar before. And um, yes. that's not fun. <laughs> You know, out here in Texas, that's not fun at all. And uh, it was my my first time being out in the woods like that, uh, basically by myself. And I mean, yeah, without any experience in the woods or anything like that, and I just hear the little pitter patter, and all of a sudden, I just hear it go fast. And just next thing you know, I'm up a tree, probably like six or seven feet up a tree, and I'm just like, I don't even know how I got there. I, don't, I can't even climb very well, to be honest. Right. Like, so this happened. Yeah, like the, the fight or flight response, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm a little weary of being like 20, 30 yards, but obviously if I'm smart about it and not just go out willy-nilly without thinking like, hey, you know, I'm the only one here. And like, no, there's like other things that can kill you. Like, so relax. Like, you're you're not. Yeah. When yeah. I'm in Colorado, you know, I've seen bears out there, but bears aren't really my biggest wor- worry. On my last trip there, I just ran into a moose every time I turned around. Oh, wow. And moose are kind of scary because they're actually the one – a deer or an elk, I know if I get too close, they're going to pretty much run away, uh, run away unless they're mid-run or something. A moose is just going to trample you whenever you find it. And so I've been, like, sitting. Oh, God. Hold on, give me a second. That's <laughs> okay. Um, Sorry, it's my work computer. I don't know why it's singing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Um. Moose, yeah, you just have to be aware of your surroundings. And I mean, we go out to enjoy nature 
And that's when you really start learning to pick apart the little things. You know, you start listening to the birds or is that a chipmunk or is that a deer walking by? <laughs> um, and so you just, you always keep your head up looking around. I have a problem where I'm just looking down all the time, trying not to trip over rocks and stumps and roots and stuff, but look up every couple steps. One, two, pause, take a look. One, two, pause. That's a good tactic and it keeps you slow and quiet so that the animals don't run away too yeah yeah because you were saying that uh that a moose will trample you and i've seen uh, videos of how fast a moose can run and then how big it is compared to a car huge. yeah like even a little bit like i remember the first time i ever saw one i don't know if it was on tv or where um but it wasn't you know like live but um i, I thought it was all right that's how big moose can get and it turns out it was just a baby one and i was like <laughs> it's like they can get bigger than that like holy crap well, they're huge for sure yeah and then uh like when you look at like videos of like grizzly bears like just taking down like how do you say the plural of moose is it just moose or is it meese or i, think I don't know I'm just moose i'd probably say something silly like mooses but mooses all right let's just say mooses <laughs> like they'll, they'll just straight up take down mooses like like nothing and they just carry them up like a hill like like they didn't weigh anything. It's like, dude, you're looking at like a easily like a thousand plus. I mean, I'm being very, uh, I mean, I'm not giving it a good, you know, estimate, but I would assume minimum a thousand pounds, you know, that's the weight of the animal. And then the bear's just grabbing it by its teeth. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I, I, don't, I don't like my dad's like, okay, let's just walk fast and get by it. And I'm like back there trying to tiptoe around it, making sure it doesn't see me as we walk through the opening. Yeah. There. N so now another question, because again, we want to make sure that um, we have, we're like properly spec at, you know, to be able to like, again, be as ethical as possible. But like in terms of like the broadhead, like, you know, like you can't just go in there with any broadhead, right? Like you just have to like get something that's, you know, equipped. I don't know if it's varies from animal to animal, you know? Um, I've used the same ones for deer and elk and it works out. Um, hundred grain fixed blade. I tried um some expandables for the first time last year i didn't get um for turkey hunting i didn't get to shoot them at anything besides a target though so yeah it just depends on your grain and there's a certain ratio in the regs that you have to meet for weight and everything mm -hmm. but as long as you're meeting those and then check your regs and make sure you can shoot expandables wherever you are um okay. but the thing is is you want something that's sharp so read the reviews Make sure that it's going to make a clean slice. Um, some broadheads will cut through bone, <laughs> which is pretty mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but that's how an arrow kills an animal is through slicing it and then bleeding and then blunt force or trauma. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like a bullet. It, it's more of the slicing motion that has to happen. Yeah, but uh, can you explain more or less when, when you're talking about, like, the, the broadheads that expand? Like, what does that exactly mean? So they have a little band around the blades that hold them into a condensed position compared to your normal broadhead that has, let's say, three razor blades sticking out the sides. Mm -hmm. um, and then upon impact, the blades basically slice that rubber band off and the blades expand so oh, that you yeah. get, rather than a one inch or a half inch distance you get like a two inch blade that cuts through the animal 
And gotcha. so one of the biggest concerns for people is that it's not gonna open and you're gonna wound something. But broadhead um, expandable technology has come a long ways and a lot of people really enjoy using them. Okay, see, I didn't even know that. Like, that's why I like, again, I'm far from being ready to hunt with the bow. I mean, I could probably hunt with the rifle, but not with the bow. I'm still a long ways to be able to do that, but I do enjoy shooting it. Um, and I told you before, I need to put more content on my, on my Instagram of me shooting. Cause sometimes I go out there and I don't even like, I don't even record myself anymore. Cause either like, I just had like a really like long day, not necessarily a stressful day, but just a lot of stuff was going on. And I'm just like, I just need to like relax. And like, you know, like when you're shooting a bow, you do need to control your breathing and that kind of helps when it comes to like anxiety and things like that. So I, I do enjoy, uh, what that provides in terms of like stress relief. Right. And I think um, it's definitely something that people can enjoy, especially if you're doing it at a range, like an indoor range and, you know, it's safe and everything's like uh, properly set up for in case it does go either, you know, hits the ground or hits past the target or whatever. So, I mean, is that the reason, is that the same reason kind of like why you enjoy shooting as well? Like, obviously we're not talking about animals at this point. We're just talking about shooting in general. Yeah. I don't know. So for me, it's just always been kind of my, my go-to if I'm upset or something, I go running. If I'm just having a bad day, I go shooting. Um, and it's just a way, you know, you have a process. And as long as you do the process the same way every time, at a close distance uh, with no other factors, the arrow should hit where it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, you know, it's yourself getting better. It's working on yourself and no one else can really do it for you. And so I think it's that aspect of just, you know, it's always you just trying to be better than the last time that you went shooting and relaxing and, you know, not having to worry about everything else because you just worry about hitting the target. Yeah. I think that's, if there's any comparison that we should strive for is basically the comparison of ourselves, like kind of like I talked about with my last guest, uh, that should be the episode that I published right before this one, uh, where it's like, you want to compare yourself like, okay, me compare myself to me from yesterday what what went wrong what went what went right what can i what should i keep going what should i stop doing you know things like that right that's really the only comparisons really because that's really the only comparisons we should should be doing but a lot of times we get trapped in comparing ourselves with like somebody else that we might like either idolize or respect or whatever you know and that's one of the reasons i loved archery as a kid was whenever i my watch came off sorry i'm missing my <laughs> um is you go to a tournament and, you know, basketball, football, you probably wouldn't be friends with the people on the opposing teams. You just, you see them and you're like, oh, those are the rival colors. I hate them. Well, with archery, you know, you are competing against other people, but we're all out there and we're making new friends because we're stuck with them for hours <laughs> a day. And it's not fast, fast paced like a sports game. It's slow and steady and you gotta talk to them or else you're gonna be really bored out there and so i've got some lifelong friends that i've made and they're girls that i compete against but it's just it's a much it's competitive but it's not competitive like other sports because it's, it's a um, oh, well, what were you, i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you what did you say oh i just said part? because most importantly it's against yourself and trying to beat your previous scores or do something differently that you've been working on 100%. I think it's like the kind of competition that truly makes us better. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of competition we should strive for. I mean, granted, I mean, when you're talking about certain other things, like, you know, maybe like a little bit more 
uh, intense competition is required. But again, it's it's a if it's a case by case situation. Most of the time, I don't think it's really beneficial, especially when uh, if you lose a competition and you consistently dwell on it in the wrong way, where it's like, because I mean, there's a di- there's a different way of like, you know, analyzing what you know performance, right? Whether it's like an, from an objective standpoint, like okay, what did I really do wrong? What did I, what you know do I need to improve on? Versus like you see some people that might be a little bit more uh, more of a sore loser where it's like, oh, well, that person only won because of this, or if it wasn't because of this, 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 and, you know, those, that, that's the kind of stuff you don't really want to dwell on. Um, but, you know, a little bit back to like the breeding thing where um, I know that, and I haven't really studied this extensively. I just know that I've, I've read some books about breeding where like how beneficial it really is. And when, when you look at people that have like anxiety attacks, pan, you know, panic attacks, oftentimes they're struggling to breathe. And it's really because they're already at a point where they're not breathing properly. And usually I think it was like something like stressed people tend to breathe, take shorter breaths. Whereas like people that are more relaxed will take a longer breath and release, you know, slower. And that, and that's why like, you know, people kind of like, will tell you like, you know, when you're, you're having a lot of things going on and, you know, just relax, breathe, relax. And then, it's the same thing. Which with like, is like the worst thing to tell someone who's having a panic attack is just to breathe. You yeah. have to attract them some other way. Yeah, right. Because you have to get them to start breathing. But you can't just tell them like, hey, breathe slower. Like, you know, stop like breathing fast. Like, yeah, that never works. <laughs> no, it's like like telling like an open wound. Like, hey, stop bleeding. Like, yeah, it's not going to work. It's yeah, not going to exactly. work. My dad yeah. and I actually found that out the hard way. I had a panic attack on the side of a hill and I was sitting there hyperventilating. And he was sitting there like, you need to breathe. What are you doing? You need to breathe. I was like, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I'm just crying. And and then he he finally told me he was like, okay, Stephanie, I need you to stop and just like wiggle your fingers. Can you feel your fingers? Okay, wiggle your toes. Can you feel your toes? And just sitting there like trying to think about those other different things and bringing feeling back to my body is like what was able to center me. But archery is a great form of meditation mm-hmm. and shooting guns too. Just anything where you really are. And I don't personally time my breaths with my shot, but I do know like to refocus myself before a shot, I always take a deep breath and then start my my process. Mm-hmm. Um, some people will hold their breath the entire shot. Some will breathe out right when they shoot. It really just depends on what kind of person you are. Yeah. Cause I, I noticed that I was, when I, I was holding my breath and like the minute I was getting ready to release, I would exhale and that would just kind of like throw my shot off a little bit. So I kind of uh, figured out that it's like, okay, you know, breathe, relax. As I, and as I'm aiming, just, you know, I'm, I'm breathing out. And then when I'm ready to shoot, like, like, by, I don't know, like, I don't know what you would say. Like, I guess the cycle of the breath I took, like was at the end. And that's when I was like the most accurate. Yeah. Just breathe naturally or whatever you're comfortable with that you're not flinching at the end of the shot. Cause right. the less movement, the better. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, I've gotten used to like holding, like, cause you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons why you and I started having conversations was just cause I asked for your opinion, like in terms of like my form and I started like, you know, taking that advice and started uh, figuring out the best way to hold it properly. Like how you, how you said at the right angle, like in that little fold of your arm, of your hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of a weird thing. I don't know. Cause I haven't seen anybody i mean i've only seen like a few people that shoot bows but i haven't seen people do it but where basically i use like the bot the pinky and the i guess the ring finger i use that kind of like if i'm holding it but not really i just kind of use it like i barely put it on like the handle like you know 
Oh, I mean, I get made fun of all the time on Instagram because my pinky's out like this. I really <laughs> only have my top two fingers holding the grip and then my pinky and my other, my ring finger, they're just pointed out. Yeah, like actually for me, it's like the yeah. middle finger is almost pointed out, but everything else is like, you know, kind of like grabbing it, but not really, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's Do you use a wristling on your bow? Do I use a what? Wristling. I don't think so. It's like a paracord. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. For a lot of people, they get really tight and they grip the bow right when they release it because they don't have one of those and they're scared of dropping it, at least subconsciously. So that's good that you have one. No, yeah, I definitely, I definitely have that. Um, so like, like I mentioned in the last episode, uh, the person that got me into archery did shoot when he was a kid, but hasn't shot recently. So he kind of was like, Hey, I need a shooting buddy. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm down for whatever. Let's go. And, uh, he told me, he, he at least, you know, was good, proficient enough to know what I needed to buy. And that was one of the things that he's like, you need to get that wrist thing. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. It's always nice to have a mentor to help you get started. Yeah, he's not, he's not, a, I mean, I'm not trying. Sorry, I think the internet went out for a second. You're muted. <laughs> ah. Yeah. No, yeah, uh, I think the internet's uh, cut out for a split second. I don't know why. Like, I'm just having... Computers and internet, it's all good. Yeah, uh, it happened with my last guest as well. Like, it kicked him out of the room. I'm not sure why it only affected him, but anyway. So, yeah, like I was saying, I'm not trying to diss my buddy, but, you know, you're definitely a lot more proficient. And you're a lot more experienced. And, you know, I mean, yeah, you, you teach as well. So, you know, yeah. Uh, but he definitely at least got me to start properly. Now, yeah. You know, so. Okay. But we cool. need those people, too, the ones that are just encouraging to call other people up and say, hey, let's go shooting. Because that's mm. what keeps the industry growing and we need that growth we need it to keep new people starting every day yeah and that's why we need um when we do post stuff on social media we need to make sure that it's as technique as, as technical as possible uh it's as safe as possible and most importantly like if like you know you're engaging in stuff like hunting like it's as most ethical as possible because you don't want to like you want to keep it growing like you said you don't want to like you know steer people away and Sometimes like people like, I mean, granted, there's people that just won't get into it. Like, for example, hunting. Mm -hmm. But there's some people that are like, well, I don't want to do that to a poor animal. It's like, well, no, that person just wasn't trained properly. You know, was a little bit irresponsible. But if you do it responsibly, you know, you'll get a clean ethical kill. Right. So I mean, but even if you're doing it as ethically as possible, you still might wound an animal. Mm -hmm. It happens. And it doesn't mean you're a bad hunter. It doesn't mean you're a non-ethical hunter. It just means something went wrong. Think about it. Figure out what went wrong so you can do better next time. And as long as you're continuing to grow, I mean, don't run around and wound all the animals. But just as long as you're continuing to grow and get better, those situations will happen. But the amount of them will get smaller and smaller and hopefully turn into none. Yeah. Um, 
But it's not like everyone who wounds an animal is just an unethical hunter. Um, yeah, we're all just that doing is true. No, yeah, that's true. I'm glad that you kind of like corrected me on that because yeah, so that, that that is a good point to to make. Um, but you know, so yeah, like I was saying, like you know, there's some people like for example, like again, firearms. Um, there's some people that I don't know if I talked about this in the last episode, but I don't know what it is, and it really like makes me kind of cringe a little bit. But just like like basic firearm safety, you know, keep your trigger off the keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to shoot. And like I see people doing skits with they're trying to do with guns, and I don't know if their guns are real or not. I'm assuming they're real, just because again, you know, etiquette. Um, but like they they just have their finger on the trigger, and I'm just like, mm, like come on, like stop, like stop, stop. And or their muzzle got, pointed at their buddy. Oh, that's the worst one, yeah. Like that, even if they don't have like their finger on the trigger, still have the muzzle pointing at their buddy uh, or at something that they're not willing to shoot. It's like, no, 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 don't do that, please. You know, and that's uh, like you see sometimes people like because there's there's really skilled uh, like uh, target shooters, like you know, like for sport that they can do like all these little cool like finesse tricks, like where like they have the bullet with the slide open on a on a handgun and then they flip the bullet and it lands inside the, the chamber the right way and they're able to shoot like that. Mm hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, it looks cool, but you might want to put some kind of like caption that's like, make sure like you don't do this at home or something. Cause you never know who's going to copy you. Exactly. So, but you know, yeah, that's just, but I mean, people are going to do stuff and it, I don't know. We can, we can only do so much, but as long as like, you know, we're, you know, doing things the responsible way, the safe way, you know, we're already doing our part. Yes. So, but um, quickly to segue into uh, the next topic, mm -hmm. because, you know, you do, you know, you know, you do do a lot, you know, you, you, you teach, you know, and uh, another thing is that, uh, well, the topic that I just recently came across to is like something called high functioning anxiety, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that the words were, those were the words that were allocated to that. But um, yeah, like basically, long story short, it means that, you know, like even though you're really productive and you're you know you're doing a whole lot and you're succeeding a lot like you still have like you still struggle with anxiety right and um i think sometimes like without even realizing it too exactly people don't pick up on what the anxiety is coming out as yeah and i think that's the reason why a lot of times we don't really like, i mean we're already not talking about mental health to you know to start off with but even like something like this it's not really talked about because like like for example, like uh, uh, one thing that is listed as a, like a negative, like uh, I guess like a negative sign or a negative uh, effect of anxiety of that kind of anxiety is that you know you won't look at somebody in the eye like when you're talking to them. And I know for the longest time that was my my case, and I just didn't realize I was like maybe that's why I feel so weird whenever I like I do make eye contact with someone, and it's like why do I feel like you know kind of panicky a little bit? Like you know obviously I'm a little exaggerating because I didn't I mean mm -hmm. I'm not getting a panic attack, but I do feel anxious right so uh yeah do you have some experiences with that as well or um so last year actually when i still worked for fish and wildlife i was running into um and i was like i don't know if it's COVID or what's going on but basically shortness of breath so it felt like i always had to catch my breath but no matter what i did i just couldn't catch my breath so i was sitting there and to like other people it looked like i was yawning but like really long continuous yawns 
And so I like I was sitting in meetings and this was before my boss knew that something was going on. And when I finally went and told him, I was like, hey, something's going on. I'm seeing a doctor. He was like, oh, I just thought you were really tired at all of our meetings. And I was like, oh, no, not not true. Um, but so then so I was on state work working for the state. So I had good health insurance at the time. So I was able to go get a lot of tests done. So, you know, the first thing was, is it COVID? Because shortness of breath was one of the side effects of that. It wasn't that. So I got a lot of allergy testing done. They went and mm -hmm. took um, stress tests on my heart, uh, whatever the ultrasound on my heart is, uh, an echo, I think they did heart rates, everything, went to a pulmonologist, he looked at my lungs, like I went and saw all the specialists and then none of them found anything. And they're like, you're a really healthy girl, we don't know what's wrong with you. And they just sent me away and like no one followed up with me again. So I was talking to one of my friend's mom who's a counselor and I was telling her what I was going through and she was like, it just sounds like you have high functioning anxiety. And mm -hmm. I was like, so I just spent all of this money on tests and well, now it's just labeled as anxiety. So I was like, it's great if that is actually what it is, but also there's no test for it. Right. And everyone who has it has a different symptom. So I, I just hope that it's not some over umbrella term that everyone gets lab labeled with when they can't figure out what's actually wrong with you. Yeah, that, you make a good point because um, like uh, I know I sent you that article, right? And it has a bunch mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, positive but i mean at the very least that article had like some positive aspects of you know you know that you know hey well if you're you know a high highly functioning anxious person you know it's not the end of the world i mean that means that you're never late it means that you're always punctual you're detail oriented you know so <laughs> at least there's a positive spin on that right right and um but like you said like it really shouldn't be like because that's that's one of the things i, I have talked about in, in previous episodes that we shouldn't get stuck under you should, we shouldn't get stuck with these umbrella terms, like you said, because it's just like, all right, well, we don't know what's wrong with you. Like you said, here's this. And mm -hmm. like, I, I had a dude that um, he's a vet, right? And he got denied by the VA multiple times because, or not denied, but like when he would go to seek out help because he knew that he, there was something wrong with them, they would look at him and be like, well, you, you're perfectly fine. You're obviously here like seeking for help, but you look fine. So, it's, you, you know, they didn't healthy. really treat exactly so they didn't really treat him so he had to go somewhere separate to really kind of like start opening up about all that stuff and it's like one of those things like you know that gets overlooked at and it's the gist of me like one of the reasons why i started the podcast and i keep saying that over and over again i know but but um you know it's one of the things that definitely upsets me a lot because it's like just because someone looks okay doesn't necessarily mean they are okay like you need to spend some time talking to that person to really understand and Right now, uh, just because I guess, you know, we talked about our attention span in the last episode, right? And mm -hmm. I think because of that, we you know, we're, we're more quick to just slap a label on something than we are to actually understand. Like somebody uh, told me that they went to a doctor because they were feeling, uh, again, shortness of breath and everything. And, after they, um, and they basically said that they don't have any purpose in life or whatever. And the doctor's like, well, the best thing I can do is give you this. That so makes you forget about that. And I was like, really like that's the best thing we can do like that can't be the best thing we can do no they yeah that's sad that's terrible yeah it's really bad um and that's kind of like where i think um the more conversations we have like that's kind of why i also included the outdoors and uh, other other activities is like 
if you could kind of see like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should try archery or something like, you know, like look at things like that. And I think that will definitely help. I mean, it's one of those things that we, you know, we don't have necessarily the ways of really talking about this or avenues on how to talk about this. So that's kind of like what's messed up. And even like when we look at like somebody as a high functioning anxious person, like how many successful people do we see like celebrities and stuff like that that commit suicide? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's ridiculous because we don't, we think, well, oh my God, this guy is super famous, has all this money, is on this, like this many TV shows or whatever, and everybody wants to hang out with them. But you, we don't really know what the struggles are going on to begin with. Right. right. Beneath the surface. Yeah. And like some people, like, I feel like some people, like they have certain issues, but then like they get into like something like, like fame, but they weren't ready to begin with. At the same time, how do you identify that before you go into something, right? Like, like right. People, you know, people that are like big YouTube stars or big social media influencers, you know, sometimes they have the most fragilist of personalities and things like that. Yeah. I actually ran into a guy on the range the other day and I was shooting with him and I invited him to come to a league or a 3D shoot or something. And his comment was, no, I kind of just like to come out and shoot by myself. I was a vet and I'm dealing with some PTSD. I'm condensing the story a little bit, but mm-hmm. archery was just his way to go out and be by himself and get away from those thoughts. And it's great. And a lot of outdoor activities are that way because they're a way, you know, either to go kind of meditate or just to turn your thoughts to something else rather than focusing on everything else that you have to do or the memories that are coming. Or, you know, if you're fighting with someone, you can just go, you can shoot your bow and it takes your mind off of it for a little while, a little while. Yeah. Um, my family knew, uh, cause through another family, um, uh, we knew somebody that I think he went, uh, I hope I didn't botch this. I think he, he definitely went to fight in Iraq. And when he came back, like he was pretty, uh, pretty messed up to a point where, uh, he tells us or somebody that we also know that was with them tells a story of like when they were driving, they were in the pickup truck and you know the pickup truck was a stick shift and like it made the clutch made like a weird like smacking sound and that dude's first and he was just laying down like just like you know not necessarily sleeping but he was just kind of like dozing off and when he heard that sound the very first instinct was grab the rifle and like he grabbed the clutch like it was going to be a rifle and you know it was like oh, oh you know relax relax like you know we're okay we're okay yeah. and but again if you talk to the to that person like you wouldn't think like, oh, this dude's struggling with anything. Like, yeah, yeah, like he saw some messed up stuff over there, but you would think, okay, he looks okay. But until a situation comes up that triggers it, you won't really know. 100%. And that's why it's really important to find an activity that works well with you or find a professional to talk to that can actually help you through your issues or not even issues, but just help you figure things out so that you can know how to combat something if it does come up like that yeah but in um in yeah and i mean that's that's uh that's very good uh honestly because the problem is to also we don't really seek out help mm-hmm. sometimes we're in denial well and yeah. it's like this thing that it's embarrassing to go mm-hmm. talk to a counselor or a therapist but there's no reason that it should be but maybe if that is maybe you pick up archery and you go and you or you go kayaking or you go fishing and you find something that 
is your way of coping with things versus talking with something, someone, but getting it out in the open and having someone who's trained to get deep down. I know we're not supposed to make recommendations, but. Um, well, I mean, kind of suggestions or, you know, yes. I guess, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go. I mean, not... Oh, good. I was just going to say, yeah, it's, it's always a good idea. Even if you're, if you feel perfectly fine, it's funny what they can pull out of you sometimes. Yeah. And you know, uh, back to uh, that bet that I told you about that got uh, not, uh, well, got turned down by the VA. He was telling me that when he went to this one, uh, this, this um, uh, mental health group, uh, everybody in there, I think was from the Vietnam war and they were all like in their sixties. He was the only one that was like late twenties. Right. Um, and the one thing they all said to him was like, good for you, young man. Like, Good for you for admitting that you have, you know, stuff that you need to work through. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if we would have, if we were smart enough when we were like younger, we would have done this a lot younger. But you know, we would have done this a lot younger. But we were always in denial, and you know, we we we've had our issues with it that bit us in the butt, and it's something that we regret not seeking out sooner. So good for you that you know you're seeking it out sooner, and um, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked with kids a lot. I worked in a preschool and I coach them now. And that's something we try to instill in them at a super young age is just those social skills, mm-hmm. you know, how to interact with other people. And I don't know where that suppression comes from, but it's amazing how like you just go find an activity that you can both bond over and how comfortable you get with them and you can open up to other people and um just let them know your story and just starting to tell your story and actually attaching to it can make a big difference versus Mm -hmm. just like trying to distance and ignore whatever's going on yeah i mean and that's another thing too about like uh social media too it's very easy to just kind of write someone off right um you don't know that person you're just talking to them behind a screen uh so it's very easy to write that person off like you know then uh like for example like for me like if i reach out to i mean I'm, i know it's not the same thing but if i reach out for example to like you like and sometimes like i'll get like oh this guy's just trying to hit on me and like things is like you know whatever right and vice versa as well like mm-hmm. you know so uh I, that, I mean obviously that's something separate than what we're talking about in terms of mental health but you know there's miscommunication all the time right It froze again. All right, everyone, it's still recording. Um, he should come back any second, so I'm just going to sit here and wait. We're back. <laughs> we are back. Okay. okay I was yeah, telling so- Joe. You were, you were telling jokes? No, I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I should have been. I was going to say, I missed it? Dang. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so, like, I don't know why. Like, this place that I'm at, like, it's kind of spotty sometimes with the internet, but, yeah, it's never happened to where it's this bad, where it's, like, twice in one episode. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, like, obviously, like I was saying, like, that example is a little different, um, but, you know, we're looking at – we're talking about, like, social media where it's, like, we're already having, like – 
it's hard enough to get sarcasm. A lot of people are sarcastic. So, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that gets overblown, even with amongst friends and family and imagine with a stranger. So it's very easy to write somebody off. And, uh, you know, the it's almost a chore to really be positive on social media again, because again, like sometimes like you have like these people that like are just like Instagram models that want to like just, I don't know, great, make a good caption. So they're trying their hardest to be really deep and kind of looks a little, you know, what is, what's the word? Not genuine. Fake. You know? So uh, yeah, a little, yeah, a little fake. Yeah. That's much better. Um, and uh, there's a lot of that. Right. But when you look at like the, the positive of like a social media is like, like, for example, like you and I met through social, well, not officially, but you know, we met through social media. I've met several other people mm -hmm. uh, through the fishing community uh, that, you know, great and i'm now like i'm meeting them up here to go fish and we don't necessarily have to talk about stuff but just being out fishing with somebody hey you know it feels a lot better than just being fishing by yourself you know i mean safety in numbers too especially as a female going out to the range i know there's a lot of homeless people and nothing against all homeless people but some of them are anyone even non-homeless people are dangerous when you run into them in the woods so i always like taking a buddy or two so i i know that from the ladies I've met on Instagram, I've got a great list of people that I can always be like, Hey, who wants to go shoot today? And mm -hmm. I've, I've got a bunch that will answer and say, Hey, yeah, I'll go. Let's go. Yeah. No. And I'm pretty sure like you, you, you ran into a community of archers that, you know, even though you, you know, you, you they're not near where you're at, but you know, you can still talk about stuff and you like each other's stories and stuff like that. And every once in a while, you're like, yo, Make somebody will make a funny video, they'll crack a joke about it or something, and you know, it just gives you a little bit more of a to laugh about. I don't know if you're on it, but there's an archery memes page where he just po pokes fun at all the pro archers. Oh, wow, and, and it's hilarious. But the great thing is, is they all just take I don't know if they actually know who runs it or not. Um, but they all just take it in stride and they all sit there and laugh at themselves and each other, and it, it's hilarious. But that's actually where I get the most archery news about what's going on is he's always on top of it or she i don't but yeah whoever that person is yeah whoever that page is well uh did you ever see uh i think what is it ozzy something uh i forgot what that youtube channel was uh but he basically narrates stuff from like an australian uh with an australian accent i don't know if he is australian or not uh but like there's times where like he narrates uh like I don't know, like, I'm probably, I'm definitely butchering it, but, like, it's, like, a, a swan or a chicken going up against, like, a, a crocodile, and he's like, oh, look at this. Like, I, you know, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> so, I, I always laugh at those, just because it's just hilarious, especially, uh, I mean, it's not him, but it's when uh, Snoop Dogg does a, narrates nature. Have you seen that one? No. Oh, man. I'll send you the link, but okay. it's hilarious. He, narr he narrates a I forgot what they, I think there, there might be meerkats. I don't remember, but he narrates that and it's hilarious. I'll, I'll find that video and I'll, and I'll, and I'll send it to you. Cause okay. Oh my I God. I need a laugh tonight. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I'll send it to you after we're done. Um, uh, cause Oh man. But you know, it's like a lot of stuff that we can have fun with like that, you know, and it's good, clean fun. It's not offensive or it's not like necessarily trying to offend anybody. Um, and yeah, but you know, again, at the end of the day, we have to be a little bit more patient with people. You know, I always say like, we don't necessarily have to be, everybody can't necessarily be best friends. Like it's impossible. And you know, you don't have the time to really 
dedicate to somebody, right? to everybody, right? But at the very least, you know, they stop and say hi, say hi back. Be respectful, for sure. Mm-hmm. Be respectful. You never know if, like, maybe saying, like, oh, you know, have a nice day to somebody randomly, like. One of my biggest pet or one of my biggest goals is don't ever be the reason that someone gives up shooting. So, and um, there was a tournament I went to with my cousin and I shot, it was the R100, which is the Reinhardt takes around a trailer of a hundred targets and you get to shoot a bunch of novelty targets and a whole bunch of stuff. And I hope he doesn't mind me calling him out here. He probably doesn't even remember this, but <laughs> I shot over a thousand points, which means you get a pin from the tournament. Well, he didn't, he hadn't been shooting as long as I had. He was just there to have fun with me and my family. Um, but they just had the bag of pins sitting on the table. So he just went and grabbed one. And so I remember on the way home, uh, someone made a comment about us both having pins and how, how cool it was. And I made a comment like, well, he didn't earn his. I don't think he's shot to this day. Are you serious? He still has a bow and he keeps talking about getting back into it. But that was the last time he ever shot with me. Oh no. And so like, I know how awful it is. You don't know what comment is going to be the comment, you know, and that applies to everything. Just always, you know, count to 10 or, you know, just pause and think about what the action or the reaction to what your words are going to be. And, you know, one of the things that this podcast is definitely helping me because, I mean, I'm far from perfect. Um, I mean, just being able to speak on a camera was already a nightmare for me. And, like, I've gotten to the point where, hey, I don't feel as, like, my palms are getting sweaty anymore, like, when I'm talking or anything like that. So it's getting to that point, which is good. But one of the one, but aside from all the stuff that I'm learning around mental health or, you know, different stories that I'm coming across, the one thing that's definitely helping me in because I suffer from foot and mouth syndrome, like no other, like, but it's definitely helping me to pause and think about what the next sentence is going to be. So, you know, and it's like that patience that like, okay, just don't. And it's, it's another, apparently another uh, negative uh, effect or negative, uh, attribute of high function anxiety the fact that you get all chatty and again that applies to me as well because it's like yes me um yeah i mean it's just i can't i can't tell you the number of times where i knew i it's like i'm not gonna like say the word like say the bad word but i was like oh crap i messed up didn't i and immediately when the not even when the sentence finishes like when i start the sentence it's like oh too late i already messed up Right. Yeah. We're doing um, public talks. I used to work on a whale watching boat. And so I would have to go out and give my spiel at the beginning of the trip or whatever. And the one thing I learned from working on, I learned a lot of stuff, but the one big takeaway was no one cares if you pause. People will pick up if you say, um, or like, or the over and over again. Mm -hmm. But if you take a two second pause and formulate what you're going to say, no one even notices. They just think it's like dramatic effect. They don't know that you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, and if you don't show, if you don't show them in your face, like that, that wasn't planned, mm-hmm. and that what that it was planned, and it's like they they won't know. Like, because even um, I started teaching kickboxing, and that's the one thing that the the guy that was teaching me was like, if you make a mistake, don't let them know it's a mistake. Make if it. You do the wrong. It's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like if you do the wrong punch. 
just go with it. That's yeah. that's the that's the combination that you're giving. You don't it. whack them in the face. Yeah, <laughs> as long as I don't whack them in the face, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's one thing that I definitely learned also from fishing, out, uh, archery, sh even shooting firearms. Uh, a lot of aspects of like the outdoors can really be applied to just life in general. Like, uh, I don't know when you agree. Like, there's different concepts of like soft skills that you need in archery that can be applied to everyday life. What do you think? I mean, oh yeah, even like in my NASPS trainings that I'm giving to school teachers, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you a tip now that's going to like, it's relationship advice and I'm going to save your marriage. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah well, everything crosses over. Like even like the breathing stuff that we're talking about, right? Like controlling, mm -hmm. you know, controlling your breathing, patience of all things, right? Like being patient. Sportsmanship. Mm -hmm. Sportsmanship and uh, just overall, like not getting too cocky because- Again, you're responsible for what comes out of your bow. I mean, that's the saying in, in firearms. You're responsible for what comes out of your barrel. Um, so you have to be really, I don't know if meticulous is the right word, but you have to be really careful of how you get into things. So it's the same thing with like how you interact with somebody, especially somebody that's not mentally healthy. Because I mean, like you, you like, what's that? I was just going to say, so it's like always pick up a gun like you think it's loaded. Yeah. always talk to someone like you assume that you don't know what's going on beneath the surface just be nice that's, that's mm -hmm. all you have to do yeah and i've talked about it with uh with one of my um entrepreneur buddies we've talked about on this podcast where we're looking at like oh well, we're trying to be this financial person or we're trying to be um like this fitness person and like you know you've seen in football where like you see those videos where the coaches are yelling at somebody right um that kind of aspect doesn't always apply to everything right uh, i've said it multiple times and, I, and i'll probably will keep saying it the more episodes we uh, i go through with this uh like for some people yeah a swift kick in the butt that might do it and you know get them working for some people that swift kick in the butt is going to drive them deeper and deeper and then you might be responsible for what, come, what happens next and you know knock on wood that it doesn't get too serious you know right and being sensitive is not a bad thing it's just learning how to work with your sensitivity Right. So that's a, that's also a huge one because I think, um, I, I mean, it's getting a little bit better from what I can tell. I don't know if that's me being naive or if I'm just being a little optimistic, but, um, yeah, because again, we're going back to the, the story that, uh, that the, the vet that was on the show mm -hmm. basically said where it's like, you know, they didn't want to seem as weak. They didn't want to seem sensitive. They want to seem vulnerable. So that's why, they didn't get help until they were in, in their sixties. This is when we're talking about the, the group setting when he was at, you know? So it's one of those things where like, yeah, we don't have to be all like touchy feely, but that doesn't necessarily mean we can't process mm -hmm. those feelings. Right. Or those, you know, emotions, right. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that we, we all have to like, I don't know, eat ice cream and watch a, a rom-com and like the process <laughs> of feeling that way. Like I'm, I'm, I know I'm being, kind of a jerk but just the only example that came into mind right now uh but we don't need to do that like i mean because i know that applies to breakups right or something like that is that what what that is i mean i guess i guess i don't know i've never experienced that but you know i've I it's a running, trope i don't know it's a trope on like rom-coms and different like i feel like, like that's a rom-com like theme that you just or yeah. a cliche yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's if it the way I see it is like if it's a trope on 
pop culture, then it definitely has to be somewhat true. There has to be some element of truth to it. But, you know, like, again, we don't have to, like, like, oh, my God, this person was being mean to me and didn't let me fish in this one spot. He took my fishing spot. I'm going to go cry with a tub of ice cream. Like, no, I'm, you know, we're not talking like, again, I'm oversimplifying. Right. But, but no, that, that absolutely happens. Mm -hmm. I have kids where they miss the target because they did, did something wrong. And I've had them throw their bows before. I had an adult man who, <laughs> oh, this is funny. He, I don't remember if he was hunting or if he was at a tournament, but he had a bad shot and he took his bow and he chucked it into the lake. He went and cooled off. And the next day he had to go for a swim to go back and get his bow. Exactly. And that's what I mean by like, you know, controlling your emotions because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be sadness that you're trying to control. It could be anger, which a lot of times we don't, you know, we leave it unchecked. And, you know, we right. end up having to fish it in the lake for, for a bow. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of like to give a, an example, it's learning to control yourself. It's just to control those ums or like when you're hiking and, you know, I, I trip all the time. So I'm always watching my feet or, mm. or when I'm skating across the parking lot in Montana when everything's frozen over. You got to learn how to fall. And so that, that goes to life. You, you know, you can't just let it tumble you over. You can't just fall. You got to either learn how to catch yourself and you got to learn how to throw your foot just right. Um, because you know, we're not used to moving our foot in midair yeah. or, um, or learning to turn yourself and not just let life take its course, but, you know, when you're roller skating or whatever, you're supposed to turn and fall on your butt so that you don't break your arm because you're never supposed to stick your arm out. So it's just little things like that. And it's 100%, you know, life references, um, little cliche, cliche sayings. <laughs> um, but we could go into so many of those with the outdoors and, and everything. You could write an entire book probably. Ooh, that gives me an idea to write a book because I do want to write a book eventually, so... That'd be so cool. I'll buy one. Thanks. Even if it's not any good, I'll buy one. <laughs> I'm hoping that it's good, though. I don't okay. want to just put out garbage. <laughs> okay. I'll read yeah. it. It'll be awesome, I bet. Feel free. If it is garbage by, like, the first, <laughs> I don't know, 20 pages, you feel free to just tell me, hey, it's garbage. I couldn't get past the first 20 pages. Like, I stopped it. And you will not hurt my feelings, I promise. It'll just try to – I will, I will have to process it and, at this point, take my own advice. Process that – rejection that you know deception i guess constructive criticism exactly process it that way versus just like oh she hates my book damn it i'm never gonna write again no nope. right i'll improve yeah so. don't give up keep going yeah so you know it, it definitely uh like yeah like you know you said like don't be the reason why somebody stops doing what they're doing right but at the same time we also have to be a little bit accountable of ourselves and how we control certain things and at the end of the day, when you're shooting, whether you're shooting a, a bow, a gun, or you're casting out, it's all about really how you control that situation. And it's not something to be a control freak over it, but just try to control the variables that you know you can control. Don't worry about the variables that you can't. Absolutely. So, all right. We're, we're about two minutes before, actually a minute before we, uh, before the hour mark. Um, any last thoughts or anything you want to you know, reemphasize or reiterate or something. Be nice. Don't be the reason someone is going to give up because we need as many shooters and hunters and conservationists out there that we can get to keep public land, public and wildlife happy and living. 
So have fun. Ditto. Ditto. I know I 100% echo that. And then I'll just add to you uh, the fact that we know we're, I don't think we were meant to be stuck in concrete walls. Uh, we definitely were meant to be more outside, right? Yes. Um, so we have plenty of opportunities right now to be outside. And I think we should take advantage of that as much as possible. And just enrich ourselves or, and, you know, even get some kind of uh, spiritual enrichment out of it. Um, just, I know it kind of sounds a little, maybe a little hippie-ish, but, you know, just be one with nature, you know, really, really respect it. That way it respects you. And, you know, because it can provide, but at the same time, you got to respect it. Otherwise, it won't be there for us, for all, for all of us. Exactly. Let's save it for the future generations. Exactly. All right. So. Tell everybody again where they, they could find you. I know that you have your Instagram page, but if there's anything else that you know you want to share, go ahead. All right. So um, you can find me at the Archer Steph on Instagram and Facebook. I also have a website, a blog that I do, uh, stephanierustad.com, and I'm also a contributor for Miss Pursuit now. So um, mm. go read my blog post over on their page, and there's lots of other women. There's like 20 of us who are just putting out awesome articles about everything outdoors under the sun. So if you don't follow Miss Pursuit yet, it's a good page to be on. You can, I'm already learning so much. You're gonna have to send me those links. That way I can put, put them in the, like whether it's on YouTube or when I po po post it on Instagram. So Absolutely. I can put those together. Yeah, that's All awesome. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks Al. It was so fun to be here with you and talk. Yeah. And it's always fun to talk. Hopefully there's another episode soon. Uh, I mean, I'll definitely give you a break before this one. So, <laughs> but, but I definitely do appreciate you taking your uh, time out of your busy schedule to come and have a conversation again. And as always, it's a good conversation. Absolutely. All right. Well, I will talk to you later and to everybody else that are still listening and watching. Thank you for listening and we'll keep this going and hope to get, hope to see you guys soon. Yep, bye.